I'm 51, and I live in San Diego, California. I'm 5'2". I'm Kelsey. I'm 31, and I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm 6'4". Even though we have some gaps, we've been best friends through it all. Thanks for joining us on The Friend Gap. Welcome back, everybody. We are so excited to be here this week with you and so glad that you're here. And we hope that um, everything's going good because it's going good over here. <laughs> what's what's going on I'm with glad. you right now? Oh, my gosh. My hubby is back in the good old U.S. of A. So that makes me happy. Um, woo woo. And woo woo. Welcome back, Dave. Glad to have you. A little jet lagged, but that's okay. We'll take you. Um, and I just want a little shout out. I am so, not for me personally, I am shouting out. I said that wrong. <laughs> I am so grateful to those that reached out um, this last week. Thank you so much. I love you all. You mean so much to me. And I really do love and appreciate the support that you give um, Kels and I by listening to us. I mean, I know when you've listened because I get texts. So yes, I love that. Last week's episode it. was was emotional and it was awesome. And I think that's, um, I'm really grateful that we show the highs and the lows and friendships are wonderful because they have great parts, but they also have hard parts and that's how we grow. And, um, mm-hmm. so I love that. I loved hearing you talk about, uh, this week, like the love that you got from people. So thanks for mm-hmm. loving us. That's right. Um, my update this week, I don't, I don't feel like I have that much of an update. Um, we're just back from spring break, getting into the swing of things. Um, oh, our birds are back. <laughs> um, I have these sweet, sweet birds that come every year and they build nests on my front porch and where I'm sitting in my office, maybe I'll take a picture and post on social media. I have these two windows and they build these nests right outside my window. And the scary part is one of the nests, I know the wind is going to they build it on a mm. wreath and I know the wind is going to blow it. But if he builds it like three wreaths down on the other window, <laughs> he'll be protected from the wind and he'll be fine. She will be fine and all the eggs will be fine and the, it'll just be fine. Right. But I don't, I don't know how to tell her that. Yeah. I think that you just need I to did. let nature chirp, take chirp, its course. Chirp. <laughs> chirp. <laughs> Maybe one day when he's out, if you just move it down, then they'll be like, wait a second, they we moved. Maybe they well, wouldn't notice. These are, these are stubborn birds. We've we've done that before and they're just like, Screw you, I'm rebuilding. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well it's, yeah. It's a gross it's, and that's, it's that's on them. They're not that's, gonna take your at that point, subtle man. hint. <laughs> Well, I have a story for that for another day, but um, my sweet sister-in-law has many a story about birds in wreaths on front doors. And I know she listens to this podcast, so she may, I'm going to invite her to share the story in the comments. Yes. (laughs) Whatever. Let's invite her on. I want to hear it. (laughs) Um, That's awesome. Didn't know we'd do such a bird-heavy intro, but here we are. Um, okay, let's move to our question for this week, and I'm really excited about it. I think it's um, it's an interesting topic. How can I deal with feelings of jealousy towards my friends? That's all they said. I would assume this is like, I don't know, like financial jealousy, jealousy in like the home you have, or I don't. That's mm-hmm. kind of the assumption that I'm making, but sure, it could be other things too. So, what do you think? Yeah. Um, that's pretty broad, but if I think about that, because I, I think we've all been there at some point in a friendship, right? Um, especially I think if you're in a friend group and my mind goes particularly to that because, um, as I've moved away, I left behind friends and they're still together (laughs) and they're still (laughs) doing things and they're, you know, they're still the friend group and, I have had jealous feelings, you know, I've oh yeah, had that, you know, it's hard. It's hard to see him ha- still having game nights and still having girls Ugh. lunches. And here I am, you know, just still, I'm here in a new place creating new friendships. And so I think with that, I've had to distract myself. I've had to look 
to something else and not focus on it. When I focus on that, I can really get into myself and really let that stew and fester. And that's what I think is kind of the damaging part is the festering and the stewing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I just turned myself to a project or I turned myself to my family and, you know, involve myself in my kids and my husband and be like, hey, Dave, let's go do this. Let's go for a walk or let's do something. And I turn my attention somewhere else when I have those feelings. And sometimes when I have them, it's just (laughs) – it helps. I just need a hug. So I'll just go in. I'm like, Dave, I just need a hug. Please, you know, mm-hmm. just be with me for a minute and let me get through these feelings and push them away. So that's my personal feelings on it and just kind of how I deal with it. But I don't know. It may run a yeah. little bit deeper and bigger things, but that's just just me. I think, yeah, I think perspective is really important. And um you definitely answered this question in a different way than I was thinking about it. So I'm so glad that we're both here. (laughs) Um, I, I feel like I've seen this in a lot of different areas of our lives. I mean, you look at you and I, and when we started our, our friendship, Mike and I were very newlywed college students with very little money. And we were friends with all of these people that were like full adults, real adults, <laughs> like yeah. comma money adults, right? Like you're, 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 you have paychecks. And I think understanding that like there is a time and season for everything in your life. And that actually, that's a, that's a sweet story about Dave. Oh my gosh. I forgot all about this. Um, one time Mike was at the church in the foyer with Dave and they were talking about like being in the hallway with kids, like babies, right? Because because oh, the bo- right. babies are, are noisy. Um, and Dave said, I don't even think we had kids at this time. So I don't know why they were talking about this. But Mike has talked about this hmm. a lot ever since then. Dave looked at Mike and said, you know, there's a time and season for everything in your life. There's a time when you will be in there listening to every word the speaker says. And there's mm-hmm. a time that you're out here in the hallway with your kids. And... But, but there's beauty and there's joy and there's happiness in each of those times. And I think, you know, now that Mike and I are, you know, now we're making common money and we're doing all right. There are so many days that we look back on those times when we were poor college students living in a basement apartment that I would do anything to go back. Right. And to feel the, the joy that those times brought. Mm-hmm. The the Christmas tree that we found in the woods because we didn't even have a saw <laughs> to cut one down. Like I would do anything to go back to how proud we were of that cute little Christmas tree that we nailed to the wall. Yeah. Um, and so I think understanding that like you can find joy in the time that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to understanding that no matter what, there's oh, great things and there's hard things. And so if you, this, this friend that you're looking at, that you're feeling jealous of, they have issues too. Oh yeah. There's probably a lot of things that they look at you and they're jealous of. I don't know. I mean, I I can't speak for you, but you were sitting there with three kids and a a lot more responsibility, maybe looking at me and Mike and thinking, gosh, it'd be awesome (laughs) to be so carefree and dumb. (laughs) You know, there's just, there's always a reason to be happy with where you're at. And until Mm -hmm. you find peace with where you're at, I don't know that you're going to progress very much and you might end up hurting a relationship that could be really great. Right. Love where you're at. Good question. Yeah. So love where you're at. Absolutely. And I think that's love where you're at in both of our examples, right? Yeah. I need to, if I have jealous feelings, I need to love where I'm at and the process and the journey that I'm in. Yeah, you're getting All to experience things. a lot of really cool things. Mm-hmm. But man, what I wouldn't Cr- give to do a game game night. I know. I know, right? Good question. Virtual game nights. I like that. Okay. Yeah, they're fun. All right. Are we ready to move into today's topic? We are. So ready. This is a, this is a heavy one. You guys saw Jackie get a little emotional last week. I might get a little emotional this week. 
We'll see. It's Kelsey's turn. It's it's my turn. Um, all right. Today's topic is very close to my heart. We are talking about infertility. This week is National Infertility Awareness Week. Um, so we're really excited to talk about this, and we hope that this episode can bring um, peace to some people's hearts. And we hope that as we talk through this episode, that maybe you feel you can share it with someone who needs to understand more about infertility so that they can be a better support um, mm-hmm. to someone that's experiencing that. So uh, please don't hesitate. Jump on our Instagram, ask questions. Um, I am really open about this. So let's talk. Infertility is defined by the inability to get pregnant after one year of unprotected sex. So many of you may know some of these statistics, but we're going to talk about them just briefly. One in five women experience infertility and 10 to 20% of known pregnancies end in miscarriage. Infertility is a common reason for divorce among couples. Up to 60% of people with infertility report anxiety, depression, and other psychiatric symptoms. 41% of women with infertility have depression. 87% of women with infertility have anxiety. And the cause of infertility is known for only 25% of couples. Female infertility reports ovulation issues as the most common causes. Uterine or cervical abnormalities, fallopian tube abnormalities, uterine fibroids, endometriosis, early menopause, pelvic scar tissue, cancer, and severe psychological distress. Among males, infertility is often caused by improperly functioning testicles. Diabetes, genetic defects, and undescended testicles can also affect the quality of sperm. Premature ejaculation can affect sperm delivery. Exposure to toxic chemicals or pesticides can affect reproductive health and sperm quality. Infertility treatment costs range from $5,000 to $73,000. That's a big financial burden. And couples who go through IVF need an average of two treatments. 85% of IVF costs are paid out of pocket, which that needs to change, (laughs) in my opinion. Let's jump on that bandwagon. When Mike and I were going through this, we had this conversation that if we ended up getting to the point where we needed IVF, I was like, you're going to have to go and work for Fidelity because they cover, like I, I knew the companies that covered infertility wow. treatments. And I was like, I, you, you're going to have to, that's the only way we'll be able to afford it. Anyways, yeah, keep going. more companies, more companies need to IVF children are more frequently admitted to hospitals than non IVF children. The post-neonatal hospital care cost of singleton IVF children was nearly two times that of singleton non-IVF children. Infertility is not merely a biological condition. It deeply affects people. Among other things, a couple unable to conceive may experience lowered self-esteem, anxiety, depression, sexual problems, and questions about their identity and the meaning of their lives. In fact, those unable to conceive may experience a process of grief similar to that endured when a loved one dies. In my studies right now in school, we are covering marriage and family, and I have a section on infertility. And one of the things that I've learned is that there are these stages of the process for someone who might be going through or dealing with infertility. And there are seven of those stages. Surprise. Denial, anger, guilt, depression, grief, and then finally resolution. They finally come to a resolution of their situation. That's so interesting that, uh, you know, we know we have the stages of grief, but I think it's interesting to look. And if you really look at each of those, surprise, denial, anger, guilt, depression, grief, and resolution, and think about what that means for that person, that's, that's interesting and something that I wasn't aware of. I dealt with unexplained infertility for four years. During that time, I had four miscarriages, many incorrect diagnoses, diagnoses, and more tears than I can count. During my fourth miscarriage, I was working while actively miscarrying. While in a locked storage closet, I passed out from blood loss. I was in the closet for over an hour with no one knowing. I don't remember anything from that point 
um, on, but together with like phone records and conversations that I had, we pieced together that I finally got up and rode the bus to the train station, which is wild that I don't remember that. I called a friend, Allison, and asked her to meet me at the train station and drive me to my doctor's office that was nearby. At the doctor's office, I have some memories that started coming back. I remember the nurse joking that she couldn't find a vein because I'd lost so much blood. She thought it was so funny. Um, The doctor telling me that I was fine. It was an awful experience. And that was definitely the worst of my medical experience um, Mm -hmm. during that that journey. Uh, But in the car on the way home from the doctor's office, Allison, who knew everything about my situation and is a dear, dear friend, insisted that I see a new doctor. I was skeptical. I had seen so many and I was, I was just so tired. Um, but she was very lovingly insistent. And I ended up with a wonderful doctor um, who did very comprehensive testing and found that I had three different problems and needed a much wider array of, test- of, of treatments than we had been doing thus far. Um, while many doctors jumped to treat the first thing they could find, Um, This new doctor, Dr. Johnson, who I dearly love, um, threw my old medical records out the window, told me that I had probably been misdiagnosed, and we started from scratch. I love that one of the greatest blessings in my life, my two boys, came down to a friend being brave enough and creating a relationship with me that she could insist (laughs) that I see a new doctor. In fact, I believe she made the phone call for me as I cried Mm -hmm. in her car. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was, it was such a hard time, but I'm so grateful for her. Yeah, that's a huge blessing. I remember, um, and this was in Kaysville. This is after you had moved up to Kaysville and had already been through, you know, the gamut, numerous, um, miscarriages to that point. And I remember talking to you after this experience and thinking, oh my gosh, thank goodness. I mean, it was just a relief. I remember when he diagnosed you and there was that answer to why those babies weren't making it, why it wasn't coming to that point. And, you know, it's to see a friend go through that is so heartbreaking. We got her to cry first, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So it was just relief, relief to see that there was an answer to the issue and that, you know, you're, he was going to be, he was going to be able to help you get to past mm-hmm. that point in your pregnancy that you could carry those babies. And my gosh. Yes, it was finding him was an answer to more prayers than I can count. Both said by Mike and I and on our behalf. Um, and there was some very, very sweet spiritual experiences that led us to Kaysville and led us to where we found this doctor. Um, it was, it was an absolutely incredible experience and one that I, I treasure. And, and some of those experiences are, you know, even too sweet to share in the podcast where I share most things. But, um, during that time I had examples of, very supportive friends and family and, and others who weren't able or didn't know how to be supportive. I I definitely experienced both sides of it. And so we're going to talk about both of those today. We're going to go over some do's and don'ts of supporting friends through infertility. Okay. So the first one that I'm going to address is a do be a safe place. Most women don't share their struggles with family and friends, which increase, which increases their depression and anxiety. So when someone shares, understand how hard it is and give them the space to say what they want. Ask open-ended questions about how they're feeling to show you want to understand and support them. You were always super, super good at this. I know I could just always go to you and I could cry. And it was, uh, you, you were just the safe space. And if I, if I wanted to get mad, if I wanted to cry, if I wanted to come and fall asleep on your couch while you made your family dinner, I could do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I said before, whenever you got pregnant, it was 
it, I felt your stress. I mean, I oh yeah, I'm a very <laughs> I'm a very empathetic person, and so I felt your stress, even though I didn't know totally what you were going through. I mm-hmm. took that on because you just didn't know whether it was going to end in a miscarriage. And when it did, you would call and I would come over or sit on the phone and just cry. And I'm so glad that I could be that shoulder to cry on. And even I remember a time after one of your miscarriages, you knocked on my front door (laughs) as I was getting ready for a baby shower that I was hosting. And I don't know why you hadn't been invited and have no idea. I didn't even know it was happening. You didn't even know it was happening. You were so surprised. And the look on your face as you looked past me into the house at all the pink decorations, it was, I was devastated. I was so heartbroken for you. (laughs) And you came in and we cried and you even stayed for that shower. And I know how hard that was for you, but I really, I want you to know how much I admired that you were truly happy for that girl that was having a baby. You put mm-hmm. aside what was going on and you were, you were happy for her. And I think that that's kind of, that's a remarkable thing going through what you went through, just being, just being happy for those that were having babies. Yes. And and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. I do. I just, finding a safe space to talk about things like this can sometimes be hard because people don't understand it if they haven't been through it and they want to they want to help. They want to, you know, so finding your person can be really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I encourage those that are listening to find a way to be that person. And, and these do's and don'ts that we're talking about are going to help you be that safe space. Um, that shower I do. I I remember walking up your steps, just totally thinking I'm just going to come in and cry on this Saturday. And I knocked on that door and there were all of these beautiful decorations. And I, I just like, I don't think I could have been at a lower place in that moment. And so (laughs) I just seeing that, I was just like, yep, this, this feels right. This, of course you're hosting a baby shower this morning. It was so hard. Um, it was, it was just awful. Okay. Um, don't give unsolicited advice. I promise that they're doing everything they can. Right. So phrases that start with maybe you should, or have you tried, or why don't you just, or it'll happen if you just relax or take a vacation. Hmm. That'd be great. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I remember, I remember women asking me if we were quote, doing it right. Oh gosh. Not only (laughs) is that incredibly inappropriate, it also makes me feel like you think I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kn- I know how to have sex. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Got it and down. I'm, I'm definitely not going to talk to you about it if I don't. You should really you should really listen to your doctor. <laughs> um, Jackie, I don't know if you remember this, but the women that I'm thinking of are definitely mutual acquaintances. Do you remember that? Yeah, hmm. I do. You may have been totally. standing next to me when they said it. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. awkward, awkward. Yeah. Don't use those phrases. <laughs> no, please and don't. Asking, and asking if they've thought about doing this or that is so unhelpful because honestly, believe you have something valuable to share. Maybe it's like saying, if you do believe that you have something valuable, then maybe in a different way. Like I have some experience or knowledge in this area. And if you'd ever like to talk specifics, please let me know. Otherwise, I'm just here to love you. Don't put your don't put yourself on to them. Let them come to you and mm-hmm. just offer. It's just offering. Not yeah. There's so many not, weird like wives tales or myths or um mm-hmm. I had I had somebody this is wild. I had somebody that I was in line to get a necklace that had been blessed by a witch. Do you remember this? No. Yes. It was a necklace that had been blessed by a witch. It was in a lead box to protect it because if you even touched it, you'd get pregnant. I do remember that. And yes. like it was coming to my house. It was scheduled to arrive at my house. 
And I like, I, I couldn't stop it. It wasn't something that I chose. It was, it was a relative that was like, I got this for you, Kels. Like, I'm going to fix all your problems with this witch blessed <laughs> necklace. And like, Hey, if, if that's, if that's, if that works for you, I'm so happy, but maybe, maybe let someone find that for themselves. Mm-hmm. Or, or say, hey, I, I right. heard about some crazy things. Might not be your style, but if you ever want to talk about it, I'm here. Um, right. Instead of just, hey, I put your name on the list. It's coming for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, okay. Uh, here's a do. Keep them involved. Invite them to your kids' birthday parties. Invite them to your baby shower. Don't leave them out. I remember being invited to my friend McKaylee's baby shower. Hey, McKaylee. She was a best friend of mine, and I was definitely going to show her my love and support. Did I sit in my car and cry before I walked in? Yep, 100%. But not being invited for this big moment for her would have hurt so much more. For me, and I can only speak for me, even with as much pain as I was feeling, I always wanted to celebrate the joy for others. Mm-hmm. I understand the hurt of not having that. I, I want to, I want to be there and, and love them. If they're feeling equal amounts of joy, that's incredible joy. And I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. I have some friends that like, they still to this day, even after they've found success and they have children, they still can't go to baby showers because of the hurt that they feel from their infertility journey. And that is okay. Um, but don't make that decision for someone else on whether or not they want to attend. Right. Always invite them and keep them involved. Mm -hmm. Um, But always understand if they say no, it's not about you. It just might be a hard week for them. That might be something that they can't do. Um, They may be nervous about getting emotional in front of you, any of those things. Um, Just all of that. Um, Also in keeping them involved, be a needed distraction. Go for a lunch, go for a hike, go for a pedicure. Jackie, you were always so good at that. Yeah, that was my focus is um, to support you and help distract. But also if you needed to just talk, we talked. And there was a lot of being curled up on the couch and really not saying (laughs) anything. And then driving around town, getting our drinks, doing pedicures, to just be doing something to get your mind off of it. And I kept a very close eye on you. (laughs) I think this is where I jumped into that. You know, there's our gap. And I think Mm -hmm. this is where I jumped into that mom. I remember feeling very protected of you during this time. Because number one, your mom was in another state. So my mama mode kicked in. Yeah. And so sometimes I didn't fully understand what you're going through, but I knew I needed to be there for whatever you needed. And we also tried to stay involved in like our normal game nights and other social things. Yes. It was so nice to know that, you know, even if I'd had a really hard week, I could go to game night and just be a normal person and not feel mm-hmm. like, cause sometimes it was, when it was just Mike and I sitting on the couch, even like watching a show, you just feel like, that's all you is on your mind. That's all you're talking about. I know, you know, Mike felt hopeless and he wanted to help, but there was nothing he could do. And gosh, it was so hard. Um, Mm -hmm. so kind of going along with keeping them involved, I'm going to share what might be a hot take about mother's day. Um, mother's day is rough. It is so, Mm -hmm. so hard. And I know so many people who just don't attend church on that day or just try to completely ignore it because, their heart just hurts. Um, Mm -hmm. But I have a mantra that I have lived by through all of this. And it is this. A woman is a mother the moment she starts planning, dreaming, and fighting for her child. So Mother's Day is just as much about those who are fighting for the opportunity to raise children as it is for those who have children by their side. Absolutely. I think sometimes in my insecurity of being a good mother right now that I feel like maybe I was a better mom before they were even here. Cause man, I was fighting hard to get them. Mm-hmm. I was taking care of my body. I was, I was doing so many things to try to get those kids here. And I, I firmly believe that I became a mom when I 
decided to start that fight. Um, Absolutely. There are definitely times that I have felt forgotten or ignored on Mother's Day. I know that it was done in an effort to protect me. But instead, it felt like my experiences and the children that I was so desperately trying to bring Earthside didn't matter. Gifts were given, cards were shared, and I just sat without a child. And it was hard. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. And I know so many women feel that same way. And I think what a great thing to talk about and to help us remember that I love that mantra that it doesn't matter if they're earthside or if you're planning, if you're dreaming, but you're still a mom. I mean, there's so many different role, different things within that role that take place. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So how do you feel like someone should approach a situation like that? They're giving a gift to everyone else. Do they send one to you or what would you have liked to have seen differently in that situation? So I think you send the gift, mm-hmm. send the gift. Um, but you have to include a note. There has to be a card and use that mantra, write that in the card. Maybe we should sell those cards. <laughs> a woman is a yeah. mother. The moment she starts planning, hoping and dreaming for her child. Mm-hmm. I would have loved if someone had said that to me. It took me years to, to come up with that and be able to say that. And, and the healing that it brought was so great. Tell her how loved she is. Mother's Day is coming, whether you acknowledge it or not. I promise your friend that's hurting or your family member that's feeling alone is feeling that day. And loving them would be so much greater than ignoring them. Um, I also want to share an example of my mom that was awesome during this time. If you're listening with little ears around, this is your Christmas magic discussion warning. So maybe pause it here and wait until those little ears leave. Um, My mom bought Mike and I an elf on the shelf before we had kids. And clearly that is a Christmas tradition that is meant for children. Um, She included a sweet note about how we can start creating wonderful Christmas traditions with our current family of two. It was so kind and a great reminder to enjoy all aspects of life. And we had an elf on the shelf and sometimes the elf would move. Most times the elf wouldn't move, but it was a cute thing for Mike and I to do for each other. We would, he would sneak out and go hide the elf and I'd, you know, wake up to it in the shower. And, and it was like, it was a fun little bantery thing that Mike and I could do together. And it helped us get really excited about the time that we would share that with children too. So I love I love that. That's cute. Kind. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So another don't is to ask or assume constantly trying to figure out if they're pregnant yet is just invasive and rude. Don't ask about the cause of infertility or miscarriages. Those can be very private and they'll share if they want. Assuming you know how they feel can be so hurtful. Oh, yes. I feel like everyone wants to know if it's the guy or the girl. Yeah. And that's something that, like, I, I'm a very open person. <laughs> I mean, I have a podcast. <laughs> um, but Mike is not. And mm-hmm. people even asking if it was him, like, it made me feel so uncomfortable because I know how private he was. Sure. Like, I can't even imagine. That was, and, and I was like, first of all, like, don't ask me that. If you want to know, go ask him. I think yeah. women take a, a big brunt of the questions in that, and that can be hard. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Mike, in case you were curious. <laughs> it was, it was it me. Was it was Mike. all guess. <laughs> oh, gosh. So on the opposite of that, though, a do is be sensitive about your success. Always tell your friend about your pregnancy before they find out from someone else. 
Yes. So my sister, Natalie, got pregnant while I was in the middle of my infertility. And she drove two hours to come and take me to lunch one day. She called and said, hey, can I come down on Saturday and take you to lunch? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Um, She picked me up and I got in the car and she immediately told me that she was pregnant. I hugged her and I instantly broke into tears. Um, And she felt so bad. (laughs) Right. That was probably the worst fear that she was driving these two hours trying to think of how to tell me that, you know, she was going to have another baby and knowing that I, I was struggling so much and I just burst into tears and she just immediately started saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, Natalie, like, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Um, and it was a really great moment because I truly was tr- crying tears of joy for her because of my experience. I knew how wonderful this was for her. Um, and I was so grateful for the effort that she made to tell me in person. Um, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a long drive and she could have called me on the phone. She could have, she could have asked my mom to tell me like, she totally could have shirked that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as sibling relationships go, like she's, she's the one that's closest in age to me. And so we've definitely butt heads before. And, um, like she could have taken the easy way out and had my mom address it with me. Um, yeah. But I have always really loved and appreciated the the love that she showed me in that moment of telling me in person and telling me before she announced to everyone else and giving me time to feel what I needed to feel. And I think with this one, um, that's why it's really important to kind of tell them before um, because there's nothing worse than having an emotional reaction in front of a lot of people. If you're planning to tell people at Christmas or at a big family function, and if there's someone in your family that you know is struggling with infertility, please give them a heads up. Um, yeah. Because sometimes the shock of that information can just bring such a quick emotional response. Mm-hmm. And they, and then it brings the embarrassment and the guilt of like, oh my gosh, I just ruined this announcement for them because I'm having an emotional reaction. But if they know that it's coming, they can come prepared. Um, so please, 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 please just give them the courtesy. You don't, you don't have to tell them in person. My sister was so kind to do that. Um, but let them know so that they can kind of process that in advance. Yeah. And if there are negative responses, give grace. It's not personal. It's not about you. It's about the deep pain that they feel. And be very careful about complaining about your pregnancy and newborn. (laughs) They're fighting to have what you have. And I think that's a really good thing to remember. Um, You know, I love what you say of like, if you're in a big group and you tell them ahead of time, I was thinking of gender reveals, even once Mm. they know that you're pregnant, but these gender reveals are a huge production now. And even at that, maybe you're just still sensitive to their feelings. And, you know, there may be a response when that gender reveal happens. So Mm -hmm. maybe beforehand you happen to just go off to the side and tell them, you know, and then it's just, I think that, that you just don't know, emotions and how people are going to react even of knowing things. And so, and I think it's really important to remember why there's such a high emotional response. And the moment you plan to get pregnant, we, we, whether you have infertility or not, the moment you plan to expand your family, you start planning in your head what that is going to be like, right? You start Mm -hmm. thinking about holding that baby and naming that baby and, And I mean, I would sit there and think about like how bad I wanted to endure labor. I just wanted my kids so bad. I was like, I'm looking forward to every piece of it. And you establish such an emotional connection to that child before it's even conceived. So it is like, like you said, when we were talking about those statistics, it is like experiencing a, a loss, grieving a loss. Because mm-hmm. you're grieving this this idea and this love that you have and that you're not getting to to see to fruition. Yeah. It's just, it's so highly emotional. And if someone doesn't want to come to your gender reveal, that's okay. Yeah. It's not about you. 
Let, mm-hmm. let that day be about you and let their grief be about them. Um, okay. Another don't, don't minimize or explain away. God has a plan. I know God has a plan, Janet, but I don't really <laughs> like God's plan right now. It's hard. So and it's it so many hard. people said that. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. God has a plan when, you know, when people die too, but we're allowed to cry for that. Right. And it's, oh, that was so frustrating. Um, oh, at least you can get pregnant. Stop. Oh, stop. Miscarrying a baby is so mentally, emotionally, and physically painful. Mm-hmm. Do not tell me that it makes it easier or makes it better somehow. Yeah. Um, oh, this one was rough. You're so young. You have so much time. Oh my gosh. That one always rubbed me so wrong. I have, I have images in my head right now of the people that said this to me. And they are numerous. <laughs> um, yes, I got married at 19. And because of some incorrect diagnoses, we were told that we should start trying quick, which was so good because we did get a jump on it. And like, yeah. Um, so I was 20 years old trying to have a baby. So yes, I was young. But the thing you have to remember when you say that is physiologically speaking, not mentally, not emotionally, but physiologically speaking, our bodies are at peak fertility and most prepared to carry a body or excuse me, carry a baby baby to full term from the ages of 15 to 25. Again, not mentally and emotionally. I'm not encouraging anyone to have a baby at 15, but telling someone that they're so young and they have so much time. No, I know I'm young. That's why this fertility issue is such a concern because from 30 and 35 on like your fertility decreases at such a rapid rate. So sure. telling them that they're so young is actually more of a reason to be concerned. Like you're not saying something helpful. You're pointing out the fact that, yeah, their body is failing them and it definitely shouldn't be. Hmm. People are just not informed. They're, and and that's, that's the thing. Okay. That's what this is all about. It's just like yeah. educating people. Yep. Like this is yeah. why that comment isn't helpful. Right. As much as you're trying to be loving, but like, it's not helpful. Please. Yeah. So one of our do's is research for yourself. If someone shares their infertility reality with you, go home and do some research, do some Google searches, talk to someone else, find out how you can love and support those around you. And we would love to hear from you. Send us a message on Instagram. We'd love to help. We'd love to give you some, um, statistics and some pointers and just of how to deal with that. But I definitely do that before trying to just insert yourself into their situation Mm -hmm. and helping because I would say the percentage is pretty high that you're going to hurt (laughs) their feelings more than helping them. And we don't want you to be afraid to talk to them, but just, you know, a a couple minutes of looking into things and and talking. Mm -hmm. I have been very grateful for people who have reached out. Some of my, um, like my mom's friends. So women that are older than me that are having grandchildren, their kids are having kids now they've experienced infertility. Their kids are experiencing infertility and they've come to my mom or they've come to me and said, Hey, you know, my, my daughter or my daughter-in-law is experiencing this. My son's experiencing this how can I help them? What can I do? And it has been so great to be able to talk them through, share my love for them. Um, because they've, they've seen on, on social media or they've talked to my mom that I am a a pretty open book about it. So I would so much rather you come and chat with us, um, than, than just spout off. Right. Do, do a little research, a Google, a Google search. And I, and I think, think of it this way. If someone came to you and said, you know, I have this, a cancer. There's so many different types of cancer treatment options. Advice that you would give would be so different. It's the exact same mm-hmm. for infertility. There's so many different causes. Yep. Don't just go spouting stuff off. Okay. Our final don't is don't compare. Everybody's bodies and experience is so unique to them. So have compassion. And this one is hard for me. 
um, because I've been through infertility, I so badly want to help others. You talk about that empathy and that just, you want to, I, I find myself really wanting to share my experience or, or give advice or all of those things instead of just listening. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I can work on. Um, but if you find yourself wanting to say things like, um, I know someone who, or my friend did IUI or IVF or, you know, all these things. Don't, don't do that because their experience, not only is their, is their physical experience different, what they're going through. I had three different things wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never met anyone that had to do the same treatment as me because I had three things compounding on top of each other. But also my brain, my experiences, my emotions, my spirit, the way that I'm handling it is also so unique and so different that it is so great that, you know, so-and-so had success or decided to adopt, but that might not be my journey. That might not be my Mm -hmm. path. And I remember people saying, you know, my daughter adopted. That was such a hard thought for me. Sure. And, and that was a very hard thought for Mike. Yeah. And the, I mean, the cost associated with that, I think, uh, maybe don't quote me on this, but I think like the minimum cost of adoption in the United States is like $40,000. Sure. Um, IVF, IVF was terrifying for me, the cost of it. I just, yeah. man. And, and the the shots that are required, like everything about that was so terrifying. So people saying like, Oh, I know someone that experienced this and they had to do this. That, that like caused so much more anxiety Mm -hmm. to think that I had to be figuring that out and and doing that. So just understand and know that everyone's experience is really different and ask how they're feeling. Let them share their experience with you. Yeah. So do you think it would be easier to say something like, I would like to share an experience a friend of mine had, would you like to hear because I think that sounds that shows more compassion by asking permission instead of being intrusive with your opinions and stories. 100%. Yes. And I feel like you know even if you if you meet somebody and they tell you about this, you know, this witch blessed necklace <laughs> for lack of a better example, if if you like and if the family member that it, brought up the witch blessed necklace is listening. I love you. I really don't have like hard feelings about that. It was, it was sweet and and so kind. I, I handled that. Okay. But I know other people would not handle that. Okay. So I'm just, I'm using that as a hyperbolic an, uh, an example. Don't work. I love you. I love you. Um, <laughs> like shooting a text of like, Hey, I met somebody that might be going through something similar to you. Let me know if you want to chat about it. No pressure. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, yeah, great. But if, you know, if I had come over to your house just wanting to cry and feel sorry for myself, and every time it was like, um, hey, so I read this, or I saw this on TikTok, and I think <laughs> you should try this. Like, get out. Right. Stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I know someone right now that is experiencing, I know many people right now that are experiencing infertility, but one person I'm thinking of in particular, um, I don't think they're going about it the right way. I'll be honest with you. I don't think they're treating it the right way. I don't think they're, I don't think they're doing what they should be doing, Mm -hmm. but that's not my, that's, that's not my circus. Right. I'm not even, I'm not only am I, not in the circus tent. I'm not, I'm not in the same County. Yes. I've experienced infertility and I found my success, but if you want to go about it the way you want to go about it, that is up to you and whatever you feel is right for your body and your relationship and all of those things. Like, yeah, if I was you, I wouldn't do it that way, but that's not my job to tell you. They know right. they've experienced infertility. They know that I'm a safe person to talk to. And when they want, if, if they ever want to come to me and say, Hey, tell me about your experience. But they're also adults who are seeing doctors. Like they, they know what they're doing. Absolutely. It's not my space to say, well, why aren't you doing this? Yeah. Even if I, even if I think I could solve all their problems, I can't force my solutions on them. 
So always come, come with love, come with open ended. Cause, and that's the hard thing is so many of these things are said and done in love, but when you come at it with like, just very open ended, Hey, I'm here for you. Tell me how you're feeling. How's your week going? If they want to tell you about their treatments and the nitty gritty, they will. But if mm-hmm. they just want to cry on your couch and cuddle while you make them cookies, they'll do that too. <laughs> and the cookies will be delicious. <laughs> For sure. So that concludes our list of do's and don'ts. I'm sure there's more we could talk about, but that gives you a great place to start. Um, And again, please reach out if you have any questions or if there's anything we can do to help you um, either on your infertility journey or supporting someone who is experiencing that. To those of you that are struggling with infertility, we see you. You're fighting one of the hardest battles you'll ever fight. Please reach out, share your pain, and let other people help. When your friends and family respond in a way that isn't helpful or kind, try to give them some grace. They love you, and they want to help more than anything in the world. For sure. We encourage you to share this podcast with your circle. If you're just walking out of a doctor's office with some really hard news, and you find this episode, just text it over. (laughs) Um, I honestly, I really wish that I had had a resource like this, um, an easy way to send it to some, some people and just say, Hey, this, these people talk about kind of some things that I'm going through and it might be helpful to take a listen. Um, I think that would have been really great for me. So hopefully we can help you. Absolutely. I know this was kind of a a heavy episode, but friendship can be heavy sometimes. Thank you all for being here. We love what we're doing and we'll see you next week on The Friend Gap.